You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now, there was a problem in Hudaybiyah. Over a thousand people were with the Prophet. We mentioned the estimates. A thousand, a thousand four hundred, a thousand five hundred, a thousand eight hundred. Over a thousand companions were with the Prophet. They had all these camels with them. Over 70 camels. They are the sacrificial animals. They have horses with them. You need water. This is the deserts of Arabia. It's hot. You get dehydrated. You need water, your animals need water. The problem with Hudaybiyah is that it was situated in an area that had very little little water. In fact, there was a well there and the pagans had already drawn too much water from it. So the water level was very low. You know, when you take water too fast from a well, the water level drops. It takes days and weeks for it to fill up again. So just before the Muslims arrived in Hudaybiyah, the people in that area had already extracted all the water from the well. So when the Muslims arrived in Hudaybiyah, there wasn't much water left. What do you do now? You have over a thousand people with you. You cannot enter Mecca. Allah has commanded you to stay there. Where are you going to get water from? The companions complained to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, we're stuck here in an area that has no water. What does the Prophet do? Look at the miracles of Allah, the lessons that Allah was teaching to those companions, yet after all these miracles, they still objected to him. The Prophet takes out an arrow. He was carrying an arrow in his bag. He takes out an arrow and he requested that the arrow be put in the water, in the well. So he told one of his companions, go inside the well, put the arrow in the well and see what happens. The result was, the well started to overflow such that everyone's thirst on that day was quenched. This is the miracle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa And before taking that arrow into the well, the Prophet had a bucket of water. He did wudu from that bucket of water. And so as he was doing the wudu, the drops would fall back into the bucket. The Prophet said, put that bucket in the well. The wudu that has touched my body has barakah from Allah. And so the well with the arrow and the leftover wudu of the Prophet started to overflow with water. And so this was the miracle of the water with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa When narration states Abdullah ibn Ubay was there and he witnessed the miracle. Now to refresh our memory, who is Abdullah ibn Ubay? The leader of the Munafiqeen in Medina. Right, he was from the Ansar, from the Medina. The leader of the Munafiqeen in Medina was Abdullah ibn Ubay. He witnessed the miracle. One of the companions of the Prophet, by the name of Aus ibn Khuwalla or Khawli. Khuwalla is probably the more correct pronunciation. Aus told him, told Abdullah ibn Ubay, the leader of the Munafiqeen, Woe unto you, isn't it time for you to believe? Don't you see this miracle? What do you make of this miracle? You know what he said? Look how evil he was. He replied, I've seen like it before. (laughs) Nothing new. 
I've seen like it before. Then he comes, the Prophet overheard him. He comes to see the Prophet. The Prophet told him, Abdullah, what have you seen like this before? Tell us. You just made a claim that I've seen like it before. Yalla, tafaddal, tell us. When's the last time you saw a miracle like that? You know what he said? He told him, Ya Rasulullah, I've never seen like it before. Such a liar. <laughs> the Prophet told him, then why did you say that to Aus? Why did you say that to him? He told him, Astaghfir li Ya Rasulullah, forgive me. Ask Allah to forgive me. But he's lying. He doesn't care about Allah and his Prophet. He's a munafiq. So he said, Astaghfir li. Then his son, who was a believer, Abdullah's son, subhanAllah, was a believer in the Prophet. He was not a munafiq. He felt bad about what his dad did. So he told the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, please ask Allah to forgive my father for the troubles he's doing. So the Prophet did. The Prophet asked Allah to forgive him. Now we have a question here. We know Abdullah bin Ubay is a munafiq. Why did the Prophet accept to do istighfar? And by the way, later on, before Abdullah ibn Ubay dies in Medina later, we find Umar ibn al-Khattab objecting to the Prophet. And he would tell the Prophet, why do you do istighfar for him? So in our sources, such as Tafsir Ali ibn Ibrahim al-Qummi, there is a hadith about this verse, istighfar lahum aw la tastaghfir lahum. Whether you ask Allah for their forgiveness or you don't, Allah is not going to forgive them. Even if you ask istighfar 70 times for them, Allah is not going to forgive these hypocrites. The tafsir says after the Prophet went back to Medina and Abdullah bin Ubay the Munafiq became sick, his son, the believer, he came to the Prophet. He told him, Ya Rasulullah, may, may my parents be sacrificed for you. If you don't come and visit my father, this will be a source of shame for my family. Because anyone who gets sick in Medina, you visit them. That's your akhlaq. I know my dad is a, is a bad guy. He's a bad apple. He's a munafiq. But if you don't come and visit us, everyone's going to talk negatively about us. Look at the akhlaq of the Prophet. The Prophet said, okay, I will come and visit him. The Prophet went to visit him and the munafiqeen are sitting around him. So his son told the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, ask Allah to forgive my father. So the Prophet says, okay, I will do that. Omar was there. He, with so much audacity, he said to the Prophet, Didn't Allah prevent you from doing istighfar for them? Or praying for them? Would you ever object to Rasulullah? Would you ever object to Rasulullah? The Prophet turned his face away. He became upset. He offended the Prophet. He said it again. Didn't Allah prevent you from doing dua for them? Then the Prophet told him, Waylak, woe upon you, Umar. Inni khuyirtu fakhtartu. Inna Allah yaqul istaghfir lahum aw la tastaghfir lahum. Allah gave you the option. Allah is telling me whether you do istighfar for them or you don't. Don't think Allah is going to forgive them because they're munafiqs. So Allah has given me the permission, if I see fit, just for the sake of the public unity, to do istighfar for them. Don't teach me. Allah has given me the option. Basically, the Prophet was trying to say, 
I'm doing this for the sake of my community. Because the tribe of Abdullah ibn Ubay is an important tribe in Medina. If I come and I visit him and I say this dua, this will attract them to Islam. And in honor of his son, his son is a mu'min. So I don't want to, you know, ignore that request. And then later, Abdullah ibn Ubay dies. Again, his son comes and he says, Ya Rasulullah, my dad died. You know, you're not going to pray on him, the Salatul Janazah. The Prophet said, okay. Let's go and pray Salat al-Janazah. Again, Umar stood up there. Ya Rasulullah, didn't Allah in the Quran tell you not to pray for them? Yeah, there is a verse in the Quran that says, don't, don't pray for them. The Prophet told him, Wailak, woe unto you. Do you know what I said in my dua and my salah? What did you say? I said, oh Allah, fill his grave with fire. <laughs> and the Prophet became angry at Umar. Don't teach me, I know what to do. By the way, in Islamic law, you can pray on a munafiq. Salat al-Janazah, you can pray. But how many takbiras? Four. This is the fiqh of Ahlul Bayt. You don't do five, you do five takbiras on a mu'min. But a munafiq, four takbiras. Or someone who's an enemy of Ahlul Bayt. Sometimes Imam Zain al-Abidin, he'd go and do salah on someone because he had to for social reasons. And that person was an enemy of the Ahlul Bayt. The Imam would do four takbiras. And instead of doing dua for him, right? Allahumma inna la na'labu minhu illa khayra. Allahumma in kana muhsinan fazid fi ihsani. You know the duas, oh Allah, we know nothing but goodness about this person in terms of his faith meaning. Oh Allah, forgive him. When you pray on a munafiq, you do dua against them. Oh Allah, punish this person. He died and he saw the truth and he was stubborn with you and your messenger. So you do dua against them. So the Prophet was telling him, Umar, you're teaching me Quran? I know how to apply this verse. This verse is telling me don't pray for them. I'm praying against him. But the Prophet said that privately because he doesn't want to create a fitna in the community, of course. But you see, Umar would create problems for the Prophet. So it's very unfortunate that he would you know, put the Prophet in these difficult moments. So Abdullah ibn Ubay, when he sees the miracle of the water, he claims he'd seen something like that. When the Prophet calls him out, <laughs> he says, no, no, I never said that. The Prophet told him, but you just said it. He's like, okay, Allah, just forgive me. So the Prophet, out of politeness, he says it. But the Prophet didn't really mean it. Because if, Allah, if the Prophet asks Allah to forgive someone, and the Prophet seriously asks Allah, Allah doesn't turn down the request of the Prophet. But the Prophet did that for formality. Because you want to strengthen this religion. Yes, the mushrik, even for formality's sake, you're not allowed to do istighfar for a mushrik or an atheist. Someone who doesn't believe in God and he openly says it. Someone who openly worships the idols, you can't do istighfar for them. Quran is very clear on that. But if someone is a Muslim, like he says, Ashadu Allah, 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 Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah, you can do istighfar for them. Now, if you know they're hypocrites, you know for a fact. It's not like just guessing or doubting their intentions. No, you know for a fact, do dua against them. Or ask Allah to guide them if you think they might be guided. Uh, yes. You can ask Allah to guide them. But if someone rejects Allah, I can't ask forgiveness for him. Because this person is rejecting Allah. So ask for guidance. Say, oh Allah, show them mercy. Rahmah you can also ask. Oh Allah, have mercy on this person. 
Oh Allah, guide this person. That's okay. They haven't admitted, they don't say it. So apparently they believe in God. They never openly tell you. Yeah, if someone, you know, from the outside is a believer, you can ask Allah to forgive them, sure. And the funny thing, they do pray yes in our fiqh we have five for the mu'mineen yeah. and four by the way to share with you an anecdote about salat al-janazah years ago someone passed away in the community and the person was known to be an alcoholic no unfortunately yeah he was a drunkard let's say <laughs> addicted to drinking so my grandfather was in California at the time. My father called him. He said, tomorrow I have to pray on this person. And when we get to the part where we say, Allahumma inna la na'lamu minhu illa khayra. What am I going to say? Because you're saying in Arabic, oh Allah, we know nothing but goodness about this person. But everybody knows he was a drunkard. So what am I say? What am I going to say? My grandfather jokingly, he said to my father, say Allahumma inna la na'law minhu illa khamra. <laughs> Allah, we don't know anything from him but khamr, but, but drinking. <laughs> because khamra and khair, they rhyme. Khaira, khamra. <laughs> my grandfather told him, if he died, and indications are he died as a believer. Meaning he believed in Allah, he believed in the Quran, he believed in Ahlul Bayt, you can say it. Because that khair is referring to the goodness of his aqidah. So you can still say it, even if you know the person was sinful. Yes? By default, anyone who says I'm a believer, right? We consider them a believer. See, when it comes to praying on the dead, in our Islamic law, we only pray on someone who's known to be a Muslim. Non-Muslims, we don't do this specific prayer for them. We can ask God to have mercy on them, but we don't do this prayer of the dead. This is only done on Muslims, people who are known to be Muslim. Now, if you live in a Muslim country, in society, by default, you assume that people are Muslim unless you know for a fact they're not. But if you don't live in a Muslim country, then you need evidence that this person was a Muslim. So if his family tells you, look, minutes before this person died, we, we heard them converting, you can accept that. If there are indications that this person converted, you can accept that, right? But let's say the person died in a non-Muslim environment, non-Muslim family, there's no indication they were Muslim. By default, we don't do this prayer for them. We only do it on who? On a Muslim. Now that Muslim. If that Muslim was known to be a hypocrite, was known to be evil, like a criminal, killer, murderer, and we didn't see him repent openly, we do four takbiras on them, not five. And we don't pray for them. Because in the prayer, you're basically giving them a letter of recommendation. In the prayer, you're saying, oh Allah, this person was decent, this person died in goodness, I don't know anything but goodness about them. Well, if I knew this person was a murderer, was a killer, was an enemy of God, the enemy of Ahlul Bayt, I can't say that. 
It's possible minutes before they died, somehow they repented, but I don't have evidence of that. No, no, I'm not saying if they're not Muslim. I'm talking about a Muslim who's evil. You do dua against them. So we're talking about someone who claims to be a Muslim, but we have evidence the person is a hypocrite. They're not believers, they're hypocrites. These people who didn't repent, we never saw them repenting, and they were enemies of God. Look, you, you don't think there are Muslims who are enemies of God and His Prophet? Of course there are. Saddam Hussein, are you going to pray for him? I would not pray for him, I would pray against him. Because till the last minute he didn't repent. He never declared his repentance. So if I were to pray on his body because he's Muslim from the outside, so you can pray on him. First of all, we pray for takbiras and we pray against him. Oh, Allah punish him for what he did. Serve justice because he killed so many innocent people and he never repented. Non-Muslims, we don't even do this prayer for them. This prayer is only done, ritual prayer is only done for a Muslim. Non-Muslims, if they were otherwise decent people, we can, have, we can ask Allah to have mercy on them. We can say, oh Allah have mercy on them, that's acceptable.